Hello everyone, you're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. my own mind. I sit here with a pure intention to gain mastery over my thoughts and therefore mastery over my words and actions. As I hear the thoughts through words of others, I ask myself, is that my truth? My original nature is one of love, peace, purity, truth, and joy. And sometimes when I hear the words that do not match my original nature, I have the choice to rise above and remember who I really am. As a master of my mind, I decide which thoughts stay and which thoughts must go. I choose to rise above. As I rise above in consciousness and interpretations of stories, narratives that no longer support my truth or present, the greater power greater peace and acceptance for myself and others surrounds me in this moment. As a master of my mind, I rise above, replacing thoughts of fear, anger, greed, and divide. Thoughts of belonging, respect, love, and wisdom. As I rise above, I find clarity, a deeper meaning, and the courage to continue to move on. I rise above. And I remember who I am and why I'm here. And that is to love everyone the same. 
let me sit in the state of being above. I'm not going to do everything physically right. 
and this could be also my illusion, but at the core of my intention is this empathy, compassion, sense of servitude for humanity. And if anyone spends enough time with me, they will definitely see that, that I'll give my bones to help another person to be better. I will suck it up till someone's wrong or not right with the trust that they will eventually get right. I'm still being trusted by God to get me right. And so even that same energy or tendency, I tend to project that on those who are with me, around me, or even connected. My friends get the brunt of it many times, but I've watched and loved how inspired they get when they see the sense of the example of, wow, she just doesn't stop. She keeps going. She's ready to move. And the other day something had occurred where I just felt like such a division around me. It's been a consistent story and a theme where I just feel like certain energies are still not in that full support, like high up. They're there maybe at a level that is really valued, And at the same token, if a rocket ship is going up and it doesn't have enough fuel, you know what's going to happen, right? So it's just this feeling. And so I went to bed a few nights ago just journaling and asking, it's in me. It's not about anyone outside of me. But there's something happening inside that there might be an energy there that's personal restriction. And this is what I think we're all being offered a chance, to check ourselves in such a way that we open up ourselves. And as a result of opening up, the world also opens up. Lock down to rise up. That's what this was about. The question is, how many of us have taken this opportunity to rise up? Well, our next guest is going to definitely offer us a very heartfelt conversation on the power to let go and the power to really deal with crisis, I would say, with the light that's within you. Guy Finley is a returning guest, a friend of ours, and Guy Finley's encouraging and accessible message is one of the true bright lights in our world of today. His ideas cut straight to the heart of our most important personal and social issues, relationship success, addiction, stress, peace, happiness, freedom, and lead the way to a higher life. Guy is the founder and director of Life of Learning Foundation, a nonprofit center for spiritual discovery in Merlin, Oregon. He is also the acclaimed author of The Secret of Letting Go and more than 45 other books and audio programs that have sold over 2 million copies in 26 languages worldwide. His work is widely widely endorsed by doctors, business professionals, celebrities, spiritual leaders of all denominations. Today, we welcome back our dear brother Guy Finley to America Meditating Radio. Welcome, Guy. So glad to have you. Hi. So nice to be with you again. I know. It's been a long time. How have you been? I don't know any other word other than busy and just great. <laughs> have you been Zooming like everyone else? <laughs> yeah, I guess actually I have. We had to at least temporarily close down the meetings that we have at the foundation here in Oregon, but we've gone online completely. And actually, as so many of these things that seem to be troubles to begin with turn out to be treasures and everything is better than it was. We're reaching more people than ever before with the healing ideas that we discuss. Yeah, congratulations to that. We do an evening YouTube live called Spiritual Vaccine. 
because we've had to close down both of our meditation museums and also the 9,000 branches of our Brahma Kumaris worldwide. And yes, we've also gone online. I've sort of stayed in my zone, but what's been most valuable for me has been the ability to remain consistent, Guy, and to stay true to my call and my principle. I've been reaching this particular stage on my spiritual journey and I still value that, that your energy does expand and it also attracts and feels and people transform. But at the end of the day, it was really about you and I transforming ourselves and living by the things that we preach or share with others. Did you find that as a truth for you, too, during this particular period of quietude and not moving around so much? Honestly, I don't move around that much to begin with. <laughs> mm, blessing um, on blessing. Yeah. I lead a fairly contemplative life to begin with, just by the sheer demand of always giving fresh material, as I do three or four times a week, based on, of course, what I'm working on. But I think, sure. to your point, we are in a really an extraordinary time. Somebody asked me just a couple of days ago, did I think that in some way this coronavirus and the quarantining that was taking place, the lockdown, was there anything broader behind it than just the accidental stupidity of human beings meddling with things that they ought not be? And I said yes or no, because everything that happens to us can either be something that helps us understand ourselves and the world we're in, in a new light, or it can throw us into that captivity of reacting and trying to control what we have no control over. The only thing we have as human beings, this God-given divine right to take every revelation that comes our way and use it as a stepping stone of realization so that when we're in a situation like all of us are in now, not used to being kept from distracting ourselves essentially, running around, buying things, eating out, we're left with a true inflection point. And that is, I have to see myself as I am and I'm no longer able to hide from myself the parts that actually don't know what to do when they don't have distractions. And this is an important point for anybody who aspires to know something of God's life. Yeah, I hear that. And I'm wondering in terms of so many Americans who still are living by themselves, just one person yes. or maybe one or just two people together. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Maybe they stayed at home. Maybe they didn't do much anyway. But to hear the mere notion of being told you can't go out, you can't do this, do you think that was their struggle? Was it a struggle of the ego that they might have been grappling with and perhaps didn't have the tools and how to navigate through that? And it's just something that I've thought about because, you know, why is it that now that you are locked down and you can't go to a restaurant or you can't go to a movie, but you can cook at home and you can watch a TV show, it's like the same. Everyone's doing Facebook or Zoom meetings with each other. But why was it for some folks it was just so difficult? Do you think it was the ego getting crunched or do you think 
maybe we just didn't want to see ourselves for what we have become? I think that it's all of that. Listen, there are some things that are staggering once we begin to see them for the facts they are. Here's a staggering fact to what you just said. Mm -hmm. The only thing that we suffer over psychologically is not wanting. I ask you to be the advocate for the listener. What do I ever suffer over other than something that I don't want? That's what suffering is, is resistance to the revelation of the moment, period. And it's stunning in its spiritual power, if we can understand it, because it means that all of the pain, troubling, the thoughts and feelings, all of that churning is a creation of ego, a level of mind that Mm -hmm. only moves from what it wants to what it wants. And when it can't have what it wants, when it wants it, it's going to have this reaction of resistance. And that's what we're looking at. That's what you've really asked. Why is this mind so resistant to being asked to see that it is the source of its own sorrow? Yes. Well, resistance is the sign of sorrow and suffering, isn't it? And the irony to all of this, Guy, is we don't even know who we are, but we want to express whatever that is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Look, that's really true. And and the good thing there for us to look at together is this idea, to get to the next part of what I was going to say, that what we're realizing, if we're realizing it at all in this crisis, is that can there be a crisis in our life without a feeling of being powerless? Or is crisis and a sense of powerlessness intimately connected? Wouldn't you agree with me? Yeah, I would. Okay. What's the crisis? What's the real crisis? The way that I see it is that the real crisis is suddenly all of the powers and strength, all of the things that I attributed to myself, qualities and characteristics, suddenly they're dust. I don't know what strength is. I always thought strength was my ability to control a condition to change the way somebody thinks about me by flattering or fawning or making more money to enhance my possessions and the way the world perceives me. And suddenly, because of what's happened, I'm asked to see that I don't know what real strength is. And that crisis is the great spiritual opportunity. I get that very well. I guess the crisis is... Are you comfortable with your own company? You know, this to me has become a gift, not in the context of the stories of souls who have lost their loved ones and individuals who maybe haven't done the awakened work to recognize that life and death actually are very parallel. It's about the way that you've lived, you know. Your life and death is about your dash, not the day you were born and not the second that you tend to leave your mortal coil to move on to another story. And I think this is the awakening that the world has to get to. I spoke to a group of people in Turkey, and all these women with their Hermes and Rolexes and Prada and all of that, I said, is that really valuable to you right now? Does anybody care what you're wearing or how much it's valued? 
So the crisis is actually a blessing that we're waking up to the fact that we've been investing in an illusion, like what you said. It doesn't yeah. matter. The question is, who have you been? Yeah. What have you invested that's been real for you? Oh, yeah, we're on the same page as you rightly and compassionately pointed out. Look, there are people who have lost people in this crisis. There are yes. people who don't know how they're going to pay their rent or buy groceries, and I get it. This is a terrible situation in one respect. But Pharaoh took what we said, make bricks without straw. Can we use straw to make gold for ourselves by understanding that this crisis, as is true with any crisis, is always an identity crisis. That's what a crisis is. It's a crisis of identity. It's existential, but it can become something that is vital when we start understanding that I have invested my life, as you said, in an illusion. That, yes, I love this conversation because people say, look, it's not an illusion. I don't have gas money. Mm-hmm. That's not an illusion. But what is an illusion is the fear and the anxiety and the attempt to control that which we cannot. What is reality is the discovery that my sense of worth, my value as a human being, has been handed out by a consciousness asleep to itself to a world that I believe determines what I'm worth. And if my identity is linked to conditions in passing time, then when the time passes and the conditions collapse, as they always do, then suddenly I'm in a crisis because I think the changing condition is the same as losing my essential soul. And that's the opportunity to discover I'm vested in something that is the attachments and the dependency has produced the revelation that none of it's real. Now what do I do? And that's the critical question. Can I use this crisis as a turning point instead of a tormenting series of events in my life? So, Guy, what is then the solution? Let's say someone has tuned in to AM radio for the very first time, and they're just scrolling through. That means, in a way, they could be bored. <laughs> and, they're just looking, and they're just looking to pass their time, and they're like, oh, this is new, let me see. And they've heard what you've said, and they're like, they've paused, they've held the station to their ears, and they're like, well, what do I do? Because, yes, I'm one of those people. I did buy into the illusion, and I'm concerned now all the money I've paid for my shoes and my bags and my clothes can't pay my rent. What's the solution for people who have been buying into the illusion and have now reached this particular or to shed moment in their lives to make a change. But the church isn't there. It's not open. Okay, they can watch their church sermons online or listen to their mosque teachings or read their scriptures. Hearing all of this, okay, but you know the soul has to feel it in order to change. So my question to you is, what do you think is the solution or a solution for someone in that state? First and foremost... You have to have some kind of new understanding. 
We view the world, all of us, through our thoughts about it so that our perception of reality is inseparable from the way we think and react toward it. And this is why Christ used the word metanoia. Our mind needs to be renewed, and it's renewed beginning with new true ideas, such as the fact that the real crisis is always an identity crisis. But we must add to that the idea that we wouldn't be shown what we are being shown about ourselves. We wouldn't suspect that we have vested ourselves in something that has no power to produce any form of perfected life and that the light dwells in the darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. Suddenly, by a light that I did not create for myself, I can see where I have mistaken myself to be something that doesn't serve me. That's one. Number two, what is this nature that has taken me down this road saying this is where the light is, this is where life is, and this is what good is, and then I get there and I see that I've had a false guide, literally a mm-hmm. false god. At that point, we can begin to do the very important work of seeing that we have aligned ourselves with a level of mind, our own thoughts, really, that don't know what they are doing. Look, if you had a friend who came over every day and every day said, let's go do this, let's get that, and then you went and did that, and then every other day you discovered that your friend had misled you, how long would you remain friends with someone who is stealing your happiness while promising it? You wouldn't. Sure, wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the whole point is that we have been spiritually asleep. A crisis is a waking up moment where we're asked to see that I got to this place where I'm not free in spite of all the things that I've done and bought and gone. Now I must begin to examine what it is in me that believed that these promises could produce freedom. One last quick thing on that idea. Freedom is not something downstream from who and what I am right now. There is no freedom in time. Freedom is a relationship with the divine. Freedom is a mind whose waves have settled because one is no longer looking out on the horizon for some place to get to where we'll get away from what troubles us now. It's all a singularity. And the singularity is accessible through what amounts to negation. I see that didn't work. This doesn't do it. This can't get me there. And in the observation, the witnessing of the futility of allowing thought and reaction to not just rule my life, but promise me a reality where I'll be free, then I begin to die to all of that, Sister Jenna. I begin to lose my life in order to gain it, and then there's real gravitas. There's real meaning to the moments that we're talking about. 
that's very rich what you've shared. Let me go back to the false god concept. I mean, when does a person realize that they were interpreting or worshiping a god that's false? And let me explain why that touched me, because when I first came into my awakening with the Brahma Kumaris, the whole notion of God was, okay, wonderful, that's great, but I'm here to serve. Within my second year, I realized, how can I really serve if I haven't really understood or experienced what this energy of God really means for me? That shifted in terms of God being a point of profound, powerful energy of light that's the ocean of love and peace and that I go to and connect in meditation and come back and do service. Ten years later, I'm like, wow, this energy is always existing. It's like the sun. I'm just using an umbrella, and the umbrella represents my limits, my weaknesses of character, which I'm still afraid of even looking and addressing so that I can break free and let the light in. The more I'm evolving and growing, I'm going, okay, there's no such thing as a false god other than the one maybe you might be signaling, the false god of the Prada, the false god of the Hermes, the false god of the car, the position, the name, the tights, and that is no longer going to give you salvation or freedom. The real god is where you have reached a point of such acceptance and such inner renunciation and such humility that you can allow the light of this beautiful energy to make you start to remember and believe you are more than the false gods have been trying to define you to be. So when you're mentioning about the false gods, how do they recognize that they were worshiping a false god? What did you mean by saying that? Look, it's beautiful what we're talking about. We're using the light of our understanding and God willing what awareness that gives us to bring a light into this darkness that doesn't exist outside of us. St. Paul said, we struggle not with flesh, but with powers and principalities. And the actual translation of those words means that there is an interior government. There literally is something within us that we're unconscious of but whose rules and regulations have us locked down. That's the true lockdown. Now, more scripture, if I may. Mm -hmm. There is this beautiful, very little understood passage that you cannot serve two masters, for you will love one and despise the other. And then Christ goes on to speak of that one winds up in the service of mammon. This idea, you can't serve two masters without loving one and despise the other, is not pointing to the idea that there are two separate masters. That one master divided into what we love and what we despise is our present unconscious nature. It loves the idea of being rich. It hates the conditions that challenge the image. It loves the idea of people approving. It despises anybody that disrespects it. This level of consciousness is asleep to itself, and it is that level of consciousness that produces the false gods. But no false god has authority without someone who believes in it, without something that believes in it. So that when a fearful thought comes up, it can't exist without resisting a condition. Write this down, if you will. There is no fear of a psychological nature 
without negative imagination. There is no fear without negative imagination. That means that the thing I fear, the moment that's coming, is something that is created by my own mind. And when it makes the image of that unwanted moment, that same mind then fears its own imagery. So that mind asleep to itself creates God's, meaning the time when this happens or when I get you to be what I want you to be, and then despises the very God it creates when it can't control that which conditions it says it must enter into. So that's the false God, and we can use that knowledge. Mm -hmm. Can I be aware of a fear, and instead of seeing it as a protector, which it always tends to be, and Mm -hmm. see it as the interior misguided action of a mind that believes that freedom is time to come or that I can control the condition. You and I both know that a man or a woman who is even a little bit conscious or awake recognizes that everything is, like Christ said, not my will but thy will be done. Mm -hmm. My job is to recognize that the difference between my will and thy will is the only pain I have. And when I can begin to recognize the goodness of the moments where fear appears, because the good is seeing that the fear has no authority, save for what my own mind gives it, then fear disappears. The beauty of mercy and justice is revealed. And I leave the moment with no false God, but having been liberated by the light of the real God that has shown me that power. So at the end of the day, we need a thought cleanser. Because everything (laughs) is... (laughs) I mean, everything is about the way we're thinking. Mr. Clean. (laughs) You know, exactly. We need... Which I think is our connection to source. And maybe that's what this also offered was an opportunity. Have you ever seen, Guy, so many online prayer groups, people wanting to come together and pray for the world... There's an innate recording in every soul on the planet, every living human being on the planet, that reflective, contemplative life is a sustainable one, is Mm. a one that creates inclusion and benevolence. And yet we have still found ourselves influenced by the world of illusion, which seems to be more tastier and quick to the click so to speak. So it's a hard culture to retrain yourself, Guy, like, well, I can't do this. I need to move into a place of truth and dignity. Yes, but see, the beauty of this is that you don't move into that place. You get out of the way of its revelation. If I go into a strange house for whatever reason, and it's pitch black, I'm going to stumble into all things that I cannot see. And when I stumble, my mind is going to tell me what those things are that I've stumbled into. For instance, if I stumble into a hanging on a rack, I might think someone's grabbed me and be terrified. But if I turn on the light, then all of the objects in that darkened room suddenly are placed in order 
and I am given authority over them by my awareness of what they are. It is the same thing with turning on the light of this awareness, of stepping into it by recognizing that I must step out of what I've always called awareness. Thought has no awareness. Not one thought, even the word God, that thought has no intelligence in it at all. What we are graced with is a light, an awareness that can see that thought pretends to be the thing it calls itself, but that the real meaning of any thought or relationship of thinking can only be known through our awareness, our relationship to it. That's where everything begins. Practicing the presence of God is the same thing as realizing I must stay awake and aware of everything that's talking to me because anything that's talking to me is telling me it knows what's real and I now know it doesn't. Yes. Now, we tend to live a very human existence, what we call in Raj Yoga a body-conscious life, which is what Mm. we've been talking about today. The world of illusion has far more of an audience (laughs) than the world of realization, right? (laughs) (laughs) And when we step into that space in the soul for deep transformation, it requires subtlety. You can start this privately, and for those who are listening, I think it's first a private declaration that you promise you'll be honest with yourself. And in your self-honesty, you promise to start to listen to the whisper of what those thoughts are signaling or telling you, especially when you're about to make a decision that goes against your innate truth as a soul. I know that the connection to source will help us to be able to be more discerning. And that's what seems to be the lack in our global culture, is the ability to discern truth from illusion. And in order to do that, we have to have a deep practice, almost an addiction to self-honesty, not that you beat yourself up, but the kind of self-honesty that can hear the gentle whisper, which I feel is God's vibration signaling there's a better way. Trust me. I will give you all that you've ever asked for. You don't make a shortcut. Can I add one element to that? We must be capable, as you said, of listening quietly. But listening quietly also must include hearing the shouts and the yelling of that mind that wants what it wants when it wants it. It's something so subtle. God never fails to answer the soul's need for his appearance in it. We presently need God, need the divine, need truth when Everything has gone bad, and now we look at God, the divine, as the rescuing agent for our life. God is not the rescuing agent of a reality that's an illusion. The reality and rescuing action of God is to dispel the illusion and the level of self that has created it. 
I've never thought of it before until you said it, but I think mm-hmm. it's so important now. Can we put together the idea of this quietude, of this listening with the word patience? Because the original meaning of the word patience, which when I first discovered this, staggered me. The word mm-hmm. patience means to suffer myself. Isn't that beautiful? So it means that if I can be present, I'm going to have to be patient with the revelation of all of this anxious, fearful thought and feeling that I've always taken to be myself, but now I know is not. Yet I'm going to have to endure the struggle that takes place when this separation between the wheat and the chaff is made present by the great threshing point of revelation so that I actually begin to have something legitimate, real to do. doesn't mean I'm not going to suffer. It means now my suffering is going to serve the awakening need I have for God who has shown me this need and will answer it if I'll stay patiently true. Yes. Now, what you've said is perfect, and I think what I said was almost perfect. (laughs) (laughs) We're having a delightful Um, conversation. Oh, isn't it fantastic? So thousands of years have passed, Guy. There's been many amazing children of God that have led the way, have shed light, have inspired masses to live better, to be better, to do better. And we're at a point now where even our children are seeing things at the age of five, six, seven that you and I didn't start to see till we were like 20. They're seeing images of, you know, sexual acts. They're seeing violence. They're seeing things mm-hmm. that are impacting and impressing their mind. What I decode that as, it's a drainage of the power of their innocence, which is a great force in the world. And my observation from an observer point of view is that that energy is being seeped out to such an extent I don't see sustainability. Yet, I do see folks like you and many others who are putting in the energy, and it's a small group, but they're putting in the energy to be a part of the future, which is an eternal one, the one that everyone is welcome to join in if they're willing to do the inner work. So, I take us to finding out from you, do you think maybe the answer to life's complications is just in the practice of silence? Do the answers emerge from there? In one respect, unless the answer begins with a revelation only in silence, I was just making a note before we started talking, Sister Jenna, about how strange it is that we kind of understand that when the surface of a lake is wind-tossed, that you can see no reflection of the sky and the clouds because the disturbance prohibits the relationship between the heavens and the earth. And our own mind is so constantly tossed with thought that there's no chance that the soul is able to see its reflection in the divine But when that mind gets stilled, and sometimes it takes a crisis, 
Everyone knows what it's like to suddenly realize I've been mistaken. I've had a heart attack. I've been an idiot the way I eat. But that stillness where the mind is brought to a quietude only holds the seed as long as we value what is revealed in that stillness. And I've found over time something that I would share if I can. Listeners, this is just something that I wrote a long time ago, but I find comfort in it. You might yourself as well, because it relieves us somewhat of this idea that somehow before I can be a healing force in this world, that that's my job is to go out and heal the world. No, physician, heal thyself. And when you are able to begin to do that initial stillness work, that wishing for revelation in spite of what we are shown that we don't want to, we've come to this realization. Things good come to those for whom the good is all things. Then time no longer plays a role in the way we view our own spiritual life. You know, how many times did things happen to you years ago and just today, just in the last week, suddenly you see how perfect was that thing that you thought was an interminable pain? Because isn't that so? That means that God works in a time that we can't understand, but we can appreciate the love that binds us to a world where the wisdom that I gained today was already in me, but I was asleep to it 40 years ago. So that essentially the discovery that the indwelling Christ is already there, the light of God is already within us, but we need to recognize that the moment we don't want isn't something to be rejected. It's something to be turned to and asked, what can I see in this moment about myself that will begin to integrate who and what I have been with this new wisdom that, by the way, always releases me. New understanding releases me from the pain of ignorance. I don't judge myself for the ignorance. I'm thankful for seeing that it was ignorance instead of protecting or defending it. Yes, I get that. Can you believe we have to come to a close to our wonderful conversations yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to do a part two when sure. i speak of silence i think to myself it's where the soul just surrenders knowing that it thinks at least it has done the best it was supposed to do or it did everything it thought it was supposed to do there's healthy ego too it really thinks it wants to do the best. I mean, you know what of I mean? Course. Self-respect is healthy. We can tie that into an idea that will help everybody get what you're saying and include mm-hmm. all that we've added. Nothing enters into silence unannounced. Beautiful. Say that again. In- Nothing mm-hmm. enters into silence that isn't announced. Elaborate. Uh, when I'm quiet... And I want to be aware and practice presence. There's no thought in that. I start with attention. Then if I remain with that intention and that wish, any thought that comes in to that silence is announced. The awareness announces thought. 
just as a sound piercing a quiet sky always is recognized for being something that is not the same as what it has passed through. Same with thought. Then we can learn to patiently observe thought because it always is announcing itself when it enters into silence. So a soul wishing to be quiet and receive the benefit of that awareness by the very action is inviting the awareness of anything that comes in to interrupt it. And then we can start to taste, to see and know the quality of those characters, those thoughts and feelings that formerly passed themselves off in the noise. You know, when do thieves steal? In a crowd, they take your wallet. You're alone. A thief walks up to you. You recognize it as a thief. Same with a quiet mind. A quiet mind recognizes the quality and character of any thought that would pass itself off as a false guide. Because one of the things that I found with solitude or with inner silence, it refuses no one. And what I mean by that is that silence is such a deep connection to source, to God, and Mm. God belongs to everyone, and it will refuse no one. So it goes back to, are you willing to surrender, trying to control your destiny? And at some point, balance out the way you've been living with that surrender as well as, here's what I need to do. And I think both are needed. That's the part of letting go. Would you believe that as much as we wanted to talk about your wonderful organization and everything else and all of your many books, we didn't get a chance to cover it? That's okay. Listen, if you're interested in what we're talking about, go to GuyFinley.org. G-U-I-F-I-N-L-E-Y dot org. And I'm giving free talks online now. And you can learn about them at GuyFinley.org slash let go. GuyFinley.org slash let go. Wait, I won't let you go because I still want to stay committed to our conversation. And thanks for that information. And we'll definitely also share that with our audience And I think everyone who has been listening to us have been able to discern the richness of what you bring to the table and what you're offering. And I know that you founded the Life of Learning Foundation, nonprofit centers. Now that it's closed, but most of your stuff are being online, what you're saying is that folks now can just go on and even get 10 times more than they would have gotten when they went to the center? I would say that it's a completely different arrangement With streaming online, I'm apparently, from what I'm told, literally in everybody's living room by myself. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like one-on-one with the world. And it's a wonderful experience. And I do invite everybody. There's nothing to join, no cost. You register. The talks are archived. GuyFinley.org slash let go. And, of course, at my website, you can download a free book. There's material for years for you to go through. Act on this knowledge. You'll be so happy you did. That's so true. Guy Finley, thank you for your wisdom and your kindness. I'm wishing you all the very best and continued success. And to you, I'm so glad to reconnect and hear your voice and share what we did. You be well. Take care of yourself. Thank you so much, Guy. Much love and best wishes. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Take good care wonderful bunch of wisdom that we offered you today. You can see the richness of Guy Finley and 
even though we were going to talk so much about his organization and his books, I think you got a first-hand experience of just the depth of this particular soul's path and what he actually offers to our humanity. And I really highly recommend that you give him a search and a quest. I'm definitely going to ask Guy back on. These are the conversations that we must have during this particular time because when you get out of this particular pandemic that we're in, you would have risen to a much greater level of your existence on the planet and become much more for our humanity than you could have ever imagined if you just use your thoughts in a way where there's a great sense of letting go but also a great sense of experience and discernment in who you are, who you are, and how are you supposed to show up on the planet? Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we're all here to love each other the same. Don't forget to do your traffic control. Pause every hour on the hour for 30 seconds of your peace. Om Shanti. I'm a peaceful soul. And to spread that peace around the entire globe so that the world can become golden aged. Here is Keep the Faith from Lucinda. Take care, everyone. All the very best. Stay safe.
Sister Jenna. You've been listening to America Meditating Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did you enjoy that conversation? Because you can also listen to it on Spotify or in iTunes, 24-7, anytime, anywhere. I do trust we all have inner power to become our very best. When we listen with curiosity to learn more, we grow. So thanks so much for tuning in, and do be easy on yourself. Take care.